This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hey, good evening. Welcome back. It's been a while, hey? So, uh, we're just going to be talking a little bit today about whatever y'all feel like on The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Uh, welcome back, everyone. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So, good evening, everyone. So, it's been a while, hey? For those of you who are new, this is Rich Ridley. I used to do the Late Late Show a couple of months ago, and I took a little bit of a break uh, because it was kind of hectic at work, and I wasn't able to do the show to the best of my ability. But <laughs> I guess I'm a glutton for punishment, and I am back now. Uh, we are, for those of you who don't know, I am an international, physic, uh, an international school teacher. I teach physics, and I'm a head of faculty in an international school in Latin America in Mexico. And at the moment, for those of you who are following the saga in the, in Mexico, we were outside of school teaching online for 18 months. We went into lockdown a week before the UK did, because obviously pretty much everyone else in the world went into lockdown a week before the UK did for, you know, it's almost like the rest of the world had competent governments or something. Anyway, so we went into lockdown mid-March of 2020. And we were in lockdown for all of that academic year and then home learning as well for all of the following academic year. Uh, this academic year, so a year and a half, so this August, because we start a little earlier than all of you, we, the Mexican government basically said, okay, all teachers have been vaccinated, all support staff have been vaccinated the schools are open, let's open them up. And at the moment we have a traffic light system similar to sort of like the uh, the levels that you have in the UK. And Mexico City, where I am, is on like yellow, yellow level, which is sort of like be cautious and some things are closed a little bit. So private schools, international schools are open and, but they are offering a hybrid model at the moment. So we have been in school since August of this year. And we're doing it on a rotation basis. 50% of the students are in one day, 50% are in the other day. But it has been full on and I'm kind of figuring out how to teach in person all over again. I'm very thankful that I teach <laughs> I teach at an international school because I can guarantee you that my behavior management is that of a <laughs> is is to the same quality that it was when I started my PGCE. I'm learning my routines and my expectations all over again which is absolutely, which is a challenge, but fun anyway. So today I didn't really have anything planned because I didn't really know what everyone wanted to talk about. I know people are on half-term break over in the UK and I'm curious, what does anyone want to talk about here? Ask me a question and I'll be more than happy to try and answer it anyway. If not, I'll just keep telling you stories about what's happening here in Mexico and what's been going on outside of schools in the UK. So. Tell us what Mexico is like at the moment. At the moment, it's not too bad. Things have reopened partially. I was reading reports that in Mexico City, 97% of people have had their first dose of their vaccine at least. And I think around two thirds of the population have had uh, their second dose. That's in Mexico City. But the population of Mexico City is around 20 million people. The vaccine rollout has stalled a little bit, and but they have started vaccinating for the first dose uh, people 18 and over, and they did it by age range, similar to the UK. Generally, I would say Mexicans have, in general have handled COVID really well, and I'm kind of shocked at how things are happening in the what's happening in the UK with people getting very precious about mask wearing and things like that. Because here, there's not been a mask mandate by the government, but to get into any supermarket, you have to wear masks. Uh, your temperature is checked, and you're expected to sanitize your hands at the entrance. Uh, to get into a shopping mall, you would have to do the same thing. To get into a cinema, you would have to do the same thing. Cinemas, football matches, theatre, you know, mass mass events are still taking place. But even if they're outdoors, they're at reduced capacity. 
Um, I had a small panic attack when I looked watched the Euros finals, not because of the scoreline, well, that too, but also just because of how full it was. Because here, it's a limited capacity, around 50%, I think, is a maximum. And even though they're outside, masks are still encouraged, well, masks are still expected to be worn. This isn't something that's set by the government, it's just something that we, we've all done. And I think it's also because Mexico is a very sort of communal, uh, communal culture, basically. And from pre-Columbian sort of civilization, there's a big sense of community and working together for the greater good, which is kind of counterintuitive because if you live in a big city, it can be very individualistic. But when there is a crisis, people band together and just listen to what the government is telling them to do. Um, there are a few people that obviously are similar to people in the UK being you know, silly about masks and silly about vaccines and things like that, but it's not the same to the same level as the UK or the States. Um, people just sort of get on with it. I don't know how to explain it basically. Um, but yeah, so things here are pretty good, but you know, there's, there's an expectation that this isn't normal. You know, we're still not back to normal, whatever that means yet, but we're just getting on with it basically. The school has been really good. Uh, focusing on people's mental health and mental well-being both students but also staff as well and there's a big focus on that as well the students are really really happy to be back so on the whole mexico's been really good the funniest thing i've found is that students have been it's the last normal year for our students if they were in year 13 their last normal year with no disruption was in year 10. and so for example our year sevens that are in school now year their last normal school year was when they were in year four or five and we found that a lot of the students have a similar kind of mindset that they had those years before they went into lockdown which is really really interesting but also we did a really good home learning program but there was no way it could actually replace physical presential classes the hardest thing we found was getting feedback, meaningful feedback from the students and seeing if it was able, you know, if we were able to understand what they have learned. We'd used a lot of different things, and I'm sure people here have used the same things like online whiteboards, jam boards, you know, even simple things like Kahoot and quizzes and polls and everything like that. And, you know, using an online work platform, uh, learning platform, we use Google Classroom, but it's very similar to Teams. But we really struggled to get especially towards the end of last academic year when everyone was just over home learning we really struggled to get meaningful feedback from the students and we really you know to see what they had learned and we're kind of playing catch up now at the moment so for example as a physics teacher i've noticed that my older year groups are really struggling with skills that I would have expected them to learn a year ago and master a year a, a year ago and a lot of the reason for that is that they've been working solely on devices so for example my my students in physics classes their graphing skills is a year behind what i would expect it to be um, and i kind of took that for granted i assumed that you know as a teacher that people would be um uh, that people would understand when i said okay we're doing a hook's law experiment plot a graph of extension you know force versus extension I had to go back and say, right, okay, here's the axis, here's how you plot an axis, here's how you work out the range of values for an axis, here's how you make the plots. And the kids caught up with it straight away. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, that you know, there was anything like slow about it or anything like that. It's just that they've not had that instant feedback from student, uh, from teachers for activities that are very sort of, that you can't replicate over over Zoom. You can draw graphs, for example, on grids and things like that, or plot graphs in Excel, but I've just kind of learned that there's no substitute for a more face-to-face -face traditional method. We've also found that obviously students' well-being or mental well-being is, is a priority at the moment. We, we notice that students are anxious in a healthy level of anxiety, but also they're learning how to, again, spend a whole day in school because a lot of students would spend their day learning at school their time would be more of their own they were able to get up a little bit later in the day obviously because they didn't have to commute into school so they're learning after a year and a half and the teachers as well you know about how to get up early you know getting up early again getting back into a routine so it's been a it's been a real slog and a lot of routines and a steep learning curve for a lot of our students uh, so Catherine just messaged in as well and said, how much has COVID-19 affected recruitment in your school, reteachers from the UK? 
funnily enough, it's not really affected um, recruitment. Um, it, the it, one thing in our last academic year is kind of the other way around. We had some teachers who knew they wanted to move on, you know, for, for many reasons, but they decided to stay for an extra year uh, because there was not much, uh, not many international jobs outside, uh, particularly in places like, you know, Southeast Asia and the Emirates and places like that. A year ago, there weren't many positions being advertised. So some people held off leaving the school and take, you know, st staying an extra year, those who wanted to move on. But in terms of recruitment, in my faculty, we've hired a new teacher this year um, at, and they've come over from uh, an international school abroad. The, the biggest challenge was for them, if they went to the UK first from their previous international post in the summer, having to self-isolate, having to self-isolate depending on the location that they were coming from, depending on what list it was on, and then coming in. And there aren't any actual restrictions coming into Mexico. It's the other way around. So, for example, I, colleagues of mine would go to the UK over the summer and they would have to isolate for you know a certain amount of time, you know, 10 days or whatever, depending on the level of vaccination and you know all of this kind of things and results of COVID tests. But when they came back in, there was, I think you would have to take a COVID test, obviously, to get onto the plane, <laughs> back in. Uh, when you're back in here, there isn't that much actually in terms of tests, um, and that's not really affected our recruitment that much. The biggest issue at the moment has been staff absences, but that's mainly down to other extenuate, extenuating circumstances. Sorry, my dyslexia is kicking in. Extenuating circumstances. I, sound, I knew I would do a Rickyism at one point, and I just did it then. Sorry, for those of you who don't know, Rickyisms uh, is Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. He speaks English in a funny way. Yeah, so due to external factors, um, people have been off sick for, you know, absent for a while. But other than that, our recruitment's actually been really, really good. And it's down as well to you know, starting starting the hiring process really early in the year. So we, you know, if you want to move on, you have to give notice at basically in January of that academic year that you'll be leaving. Um, and in fact, if you want to kind of keep you know, keep people happy and get a good reference. You would do it in, um, you would do it in December, just before Christmas, obviously. Now, um, you can obviously negotiate that and stuff and say, oh, look, I need a bit more time to think about it and stuff. But we, you know, we know who's leaving early, which means that we have time to hire people a lot earlier than you would have a school in the UK. And that's pretty standard for most international schools. I know for schools in Europe, that's a bit different. For example, I used to teach in an international school in Germany and the hiring, uh, the the time, you know, the policy of giving notice was very similar to the policy of giving notice in the UK. You'd have to give a half a term's notice or a term's notice, something like that. So you could, you know, announce at Easter that you were going to be leaving um, in the summer. That's not the case here. So because we've had more time, we're able to sort of recruit people. The hardest thing for us is the same problem that we've always had in that if you want to teach in Latin America, it, there's not many people who would want to teach in Latin America compared to teachers who want to teach in the Emirates, in Southeast Asia, in the Middle East and places like that. Um, there's several reasons for that. Obviously, you know, I think it's seen more, you know, like there's more knowledge about that you can go to Southeast Asia, you can go to Asia, you can go to the Middle East and you can go and teach there. There aren't as many international schools in Latin America. For example, in here in Mexico, there are in Mexico City, I think there are four British international schools. In Brazil, where I used to work in, in Sao Paulo, there was about three British international schools for a, a city, both cities around 20 million people. So it's very different to if you wanted to go and teach in Shanghai, for example, you've got a lot of options of where to go. So because of that, we normally find that recruitment is a little bit lower than it than it normally is. But that's just something that we anticipate the whole time. The other reason as well is obviously that we are, you know, we we work in Latin America and our families that use our schools are pri primarily, you know, Mexican. I would say our families are primarily 95% Mexican. We have, you know, a range of international students, but it's not the same as in, you know, an international school in Tokyo or wherever like that, where it is a broad range of different countries that, you know, make up the student body. Because of that, our school fees have to be sort of tailored to the price of or the cost of living in Latin America, which is a little bit lower than the cost of living in other places. And because of that, that means our pay is slightly less than other international posts. Now, for me, I'm I'm very happy with my salary. And 
to be honest, it is still a better salary than teachers get in a state school in the UK. And on top of that as well, we have other, you know, bo you know, perks, is it perks is the right word? So for example, I have a stipend that allows me to uh, pay for rent for my flat. Um, so that is, again, one less expense that I would be paying that's separate from my salary. Um, so this is just going to become an advert for my school. Come over here and you can <laughs> come over here and you can get a, a, essentially a free flat and things like that. The cost of living is a lot less. Uh, the cost of transport, day-to-day -day living. My my electric bill was five pounds <laughs> for two months. Uh, my water bill was yeah uh, five pounds for three four months. Uh, so yeah, there's a, the cost of living is a lot cheaper, and we have you know allowances as well to to make up with that uh, to to the are pegged with pound sterling if you have you know obligations in the uk and things like that but it's still less than than the rest of the like this international sort of community in terms of like you know schools in in the middle east and other places i've said so it is really tempting catherine you should definitely take uh, you know it depends what you want to teach i would say latin america is not for everyone uh, because it is a bit it can be a bit mad sometimes in the in the nicest possible sense um, and you have to be a person that kind of rolls with that and be prepared for a little bit of chaos, a little bit of disruption. Um, but if you're a person that is very relaxed, very laid back, hardworking, um, it's it's a wonderful place and I'm really happy here. My school school day starts at 7.15, which is crazy early, I know. Um, but by three o'clock, most teachers have left. Um, as a head of faculty, I'll work for maybe an hour more, but I live right by the school, so I normally come home and uh, do a bit of work while I'm just sort of waiting for my wife to come home from work as well. So it is a, the work-life balance is incredibly manageable <laughs> most of the time, I'll say, because we do have moments where we're, we're rushing as well. But I think back to my, my years teaching in the UK and I think back to the stress it caused me, the amount of pay I was getting, the amount of support I was getting, and it's nothing compared to <laughs> to teaching abroad. And that's someone who's taught in two international schools here in Mexico, but also in Brazil, Germany, it's it's similar across the board and i don't i know britain needs a lot of great educators but i really really feel for every person working in a school in the uk right now because i'm following people on twitter and seeing what people are doing and how hard people are working and to be honest i just feel like teachers there are completely underappreciated by so many people particularly the government to be honest and I, it's just it's going to cause a disaster in the future where people aren't going to be where we're not going to be able to recruit new teachers and people are going to leave the profession but you know we're always looking for awesome teachers and if you're a listener to teachers talk radio that probably means that you are super keen <laughs> on education so we are always looking for excellent educators please come out to or if you're ever interested in applying please let me know. I'll be more than happy to talk to you about it. Um, just be prepared that we're a little bit more disorganized in international schools than in the UK, but we, the kids are fantastic. The students are fantastic. The staff are fantastic as well. And for me, the happiest thing about the last, when did I start teaching? Since August, is being back in school with the students. It has absolutely made, it's made me re-energized for teaching again. And it's been, and as a physics teacher, I've been able to do practicals in person instead of having to use online simulations or anything like that, it has made me feel re-energized for actually my practice and my teaching. Um, I was going to say the word craft, but I'm not a big fan of the word craft for <laughs> describing ed education. Uh, I'm a bit of a plain talking kind of person when it comes to that. We're going to pause briefly because we're going to have a quick commercial break and we'll be back in a second on The Late Late Show with me, Rich Ridley. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. 
Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. And we are back on the Late Late Show, the half-term edition with me, Rich Wrigley. Welcome back. Like I was saying earlier before the break, this is a really open-ended show today because one, I am being a lazy teacher today and I'm planning, I'm letting the students do the planning or you, the listeners, do the planning. And this is really a chance for you to chat or ask any questions about what it's been like here in Mexico over the COVID pandemic, what it's been like teaching here during the lockdown, what it's been like reopening this term, the challenges that we face. So please just ask me anything and I'm just more than happy to answer it as we go along, basically. Uh, I'll try and answer every question that people give. Uh, before the break, we were talking about international education and what you know, how has recruitment been? For us, it's been okay over here because it's, it's pretty much the same as what we've always had. Um, I think the, that is my cat, yes. So I oh, I thought people could hear it. I, I was using a directional microphone, so I'm gonna let him in because he is a pain in the butt and he won't let me not. Oh, oh this is like teaching online again, because I'm in this place where I was used to, I'm in my study where I used to teach online and I'm afraid he will not let me uh, go, but. We have a guest on Teachers Talk Radio. It's Bort. Yes, I named him after a Simpsons meme. Yes, he is a moron uh, in the sweetest sense. And this is one, probably the one few things I miss of teaching from at home was the fact that normally in a lesson, if I had a full day, Hobbs, uh, my other cat, or Bort, uh, the mischievous fellow as we've renamed him, uh, would normally try and get there, <laughs> try and figure out how to get in here and get some attention and the cats would make their an appearance on, on the lessons. And some students would refuse to work until they saw either Hobbs or Bort. And so it got to a point where on Fridays, we would have to have Cat Friday, where we would have a webcam dedicated. So I'd have an external webcam, like a USB one, connected to my, micro, um, connected to my laptop. And it would just be set up on uh, a couch that is in my study, basically. Uh, that they, yes, I know, we're talking about it now. You, yes, you're interrupting the show, dude. Like. It's never worked with animals and children in entertainment. And this is a show about education, educating children. And yes, I know it's not dinner time yet, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we would have a webcam set up that they would just specifically have on purpose. Basically, it got to the point that, that my year 12s, who are now my year 13s, my physics class, uh, we would have problems about, you know, like Hobbes being launched out of the cannon. We used to work out. We worked out the gravitational force of attraction between Hobbes and Bort using the two different masses. Uh, I actually even used the one right at the beginning of lockdown. I left uh, the room that I was teaching in and my wife was working from home at this time. And she just heard me sort of teaching in the room. She was like, oh, I'll be she heard me speak to the, uh, to the class basically saying, oh, I'll be back in one minute. I've got a really good idea for this. And I would, I ran and grabbed Hobbes and I was teaching about impulse and collisions. And for those of you who don't know about physics, basically impulse is the amount of uh, time an object is coming to a stop after it's collided. So for example, if you jump from a high height, you will naturally bend your knees. And the reason for that is because you want to increase the contact time with the ground. Um, the, the longer you increase the contact time with the ground, the smaller the impact forces. So if you just jumped from a high height, let's say you jumped from, you know, like from some stairs and you kept your legs super straight, you would hurt your legs because your impact time 
is very, very small. So your force has increased. If you bend your legs, the force reduces because your impact time has increased. This is why, for example, you have crumple zones on. Yeah, I know I'm a science teacher. I can't avoid it. Um, but this is why, for example, we have crumple zones on modern cars. You're increasing the impact time of a car if it crashes um, and it reduces the force of the impact. It's the same thing for, you know, helmets or anything like that anyway so i was like oh how can i demonstrate this i don't have like my trolleys or my scientific equipment it was right at the beginning of lockdown i was like wait let me go get the cat and so basically i got the cat set up the webcam so i would drop him from a you know from about 30 centimeters from a certain height and we could see that the cat we filmed it in slow motion we could see that the cat would uh <laughs> would bend their knees as they fell so the cat does do experiments and then basically so what other experiments have the cats done uh we taught them about electrostatics um we took when i was teaching electrostatics we basically got a load of paper and well a balloon and stuck a balloon to hobbs that lasted for about five minutes until he destroyed it what other things have they done um we're trying to do classification with them as well right now um and try and describe them and describe the different features uh, i've even used them in theory of knowledge as well when we're talking about when we're talking about language as well, because at the moment in theory of knowledge, for those of you who don't know, theory of knowledge is basically a course for the IB diploma called How Do We Know What We Know is the best way to describe it. And one of the elements we look at is language. And the biggest thing is I ask people to describe for me, yeah, I know, what is language? And so, for example, right now, Bort is communicating with me, but that's not language. There's no set of certain rules, okay? <laughs> so... So yeah, so the biggest thing that I've missed from lockdown is having these uh, having these two Muppets with me. Um, but the the students have even asked as well, my year 12s at the start, well, basically towards the end of the academic year said, uh, sir, you know, you live near the school. Well, I was like, yeah. Do you think Hobbs and Bork can come visit us one day? And I was like, uh, no, for many reasons, probably they can't come and visit you. First of all, first off, it will really stress them out having to leave the house and put them somewhere. Uh, but also, you know, like if one of y'all is allergic, it's going to, you know, cause a lot of problems. Also, I don't know if I'm going to be able to swing it with my bosses, why there are two cats in my lab at that point as well. So <laughs> are the... Are the names linked with the Calvin and Hobbes cartoon? Yes, they are. Well, Hobbes was, so Hobbes is 10 years old and we adopted him here in Mexico City. Hobbes has actually traveled the world with us. Hobbes has uh, traveled from, we adopted him here in Mexico City uh, on the mean streets of Mexico City. And he was 10, uh, he was two weeks old when we adopted him. Basically a friend of my wife's found, saw a pregnant cat, stray cat wandering around. and was like, oh, I better keep an eye on her and make sure she's okay. And a couple of weeks later, she saw the kittens, but couldn't find the, um, she saw three kittens but couldn't find the, the mother anywhere and so we feared the worst and so we adopted one of the kittens she took them in and we took uh, we adopted one of them and that was Hobbs. Um, Hobbs has then lived with us since 2011 here in Mexico City when we moved to Brazil he flew with us in Brazil as well he flew with us on the plane to Brazil uh, it's an 11-hour flight and he went with us in the hold and we managed to get everything sorted out uh, and he came with us and basically it was the weirdest sight being because normally when you do an international post uh, the head teacher will come and pick you up from the airport or someone in the school will come and pick you up and this time it was the the head of school and the head of secondary and like the hr lady and a few other people and most people were coming from the uk and we were coming from mexico we came straight from mexico and our flight was a little later than the other flight so people were already waiting and then we had to clear customs with a cat and we rucked up with you know all our suitcases and everything and a cat as we were <laughs> to as we met well as i met my bosses in person for the first time luckily they're all people um, animal people or yeah animal people so they were very they just found it very funny um we did the same thing when we went to germany um but this time he had to stay in quarantine a little bit longer um because most people see the word brazil and they think oh he's going to be you know in the amazon and dengue and all of those kind of things and uh so um so he had to stay in quarantine a little bit longer and we flew him over freight basically uh, which you're allowed to do not not putting him in a box you know obviously making sure everything's safe and we picked him up from the airport uh which was weird a weird experience but also most schools give you a leaving allowance or basically a, a travel allowance that you can put towards either shipping furniture or excess baggage we didn't have any excess baggage uh, so so we used the um 
we were able to claim back the cost of transporting him to Germany through the school's uh, shipping allowance, basically. And then when we moved from Germany here to Mexico, we did the same thing. He flew with us on the on the flight and was picked up at the you know picked up at the airport along with us, basically, and cleared cleared customs and all of that kind of stuff. Or in customs, yeah, customs. Bort, on the other hand, has been adopted. He, we've had him for two years. He's about two and a half years old, and he has just lived on the mean streets of Mexico. So if we ever move somewhere else, we're going to have double the fun of trying to move two cats around the world, basically. <laughs> so uh, what's the uh, what's the other ones called? So we called Hobbs first uh, Hob, uh, from Calvin and Hobbs. And I think my logic was I'm Calvin, my wife's Susie, <laughs> and Hobbs is Hobbs. Um, and then Bort... B-O-R-T, it's the running joke from The Simpsons. It's from the episode of The Simpsons where Bort, well, Hob, um, I'm, sorry, I'm getting mixed up over my words, where The Simpsons go to Itchy and Scratchy Land. And there's a running joke that Bart is looking for a license plate, a personalized license plate, and it's like Barry, Bert, Bart, and there's no Bort, there's no Bart, but then it goes Bort, B-O-R-T, what, what? And the running joke is that there are a hundred Borts in the place at the moment they've run out. So we've named him Bort like that. Uh, so yeah. Um, so can can the catch teach though? He, I mean, I would say he's not taught. But at the beginning of lockdown, I did film a load of sort of like videos on YouTube with me basically talking over and sort of describing about sort of PSHE matters with just filming the cats. My logic was that people want to watch PSHE videos when there are cats involved. Uh, so they did help out with my education in some respect. I think they really helped the students' mental well-being overall because. I think everyone was just stressed that year. We still are stressed. We're going through an extraordinary time, and we need to we need to realize that as well. I think a lot of our a lot of teachers are really worried about catching up our students, which is absolutely correct. But we're we're kind of blinkered and focused just on making sure that they have acquired the you know the academic they're at the academic level that we would expect them to be normally. But it's not normal. No matter where you are, if you've been teaching in person this whole time, or if you've been off online. You know, the, the world is essentially going through a global trauma right now, and we can't expect our students, we can't expect our students to to be where they, you know, to be at the same level that they are right now. We hope they will and we'll support them, but we also need to acknowledge that they're, that they're stressed and that we, we need to help them out basically as well. So that's the priority for me, and I feel like Hobbs and Bort really helped out with that, even if it was just silly things like them interrupting my lessons, like they interrupted the show right now. People liven up about it as well. So I think it really, really helped in general. We actually adopted another cat as well. This has become the cat show with uh, Rich Wrigley, by the way, instead of the Late Late Show. And I'm just going to let Hobbs out, uh, Bort out, because he has decided that that's enough. And he's going to try and eat one of the, uh, he's going to try and eat a house plan that I've got inside of the study here. So school mascot sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Lots of schools using dogs. I, I would love, if we could have a, what are they called, an emotional support dog in the school, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I think it would be really difficult to facilitate, but yeah, maybe they could be the unofficial school mascots. I'll speak to, I'll speak to them, <laughs> to the, to the head about that. I mean, they did get involved in a lot of house activities last year online. I used to, we used to do fancy dress competitions online and they got involved and things like that, uh, because I'm that kind of person that will dress up their cat, apparently. Um, so yeah, I think they've uh, really, really helped or what's the word i think they've really really helped our mental well-being you dress up the cat yeah of course you could of course you dress up the cat so for example well we've got some christmas outfits some halloween outfits and things like that the kids like it i like it it's fun <laughs> so yeah so yeah this has become the cat show with me. yeah so we also adopted a cat just recently as well a tiny little stray and we managed to get another teacher to adopt it and so it's basically been a running joke that Mr. Wrigley has loads of cats and will talk about cats at any opportunity, basically. Uh, so fair question, Sophia. That's why we, uh, Sophia, sorry, that's why we brought Rich back. My dyslexia was kicking in there, sorry. Yeah, so it's a fair question. And yeah, I am someone who will talk and rattle off pretty much anything. And then given the opportunity, I'll talk about cats. If we can do a, t a cat show, that would be great. I'll be going to be petitioning to do a cat show here or sort of like a cat teachers club or anything like that <laughs> that would definitely be a selling point for me cats always a positive um yeah especially when i've had to have some tense faculty meetings and things like that it's it's definitely diffused the situation uh when i've had to deal with uh, some not difficult people but yeah deal with some difficult moments a cat busting in has definitely livened the mood a little bit for <laughs> for sure and it's definitely helped a lot of people <laughs> as well um 
my head teacher has adopted a, a dog as well. So and a lot of the briefings that she would give during lockdown, it was in her spare room, obviously, and you could just see the dog in the background, just basically like, hey, pay attention to me and stuff like that, when she's talking like really serious things about, you know, mock exams and everything like that. So, so yeah, this is not the cat show with Rich Wrigley. This is the late, late show with Rich Wrigley. There's, it's a very loose end of half term kind of show this week. I've been off the air for a smidge uh, and we've been back in school for six weeks. You all have been back in school, one well, if you're in the UK, for a lot longer than that. And this show is just basically about um, this show is just basically about if you've got any questions that you'd like to talk about at the end of what is most likely probably the busiest half term that anyone has experienced. Um, the cat show will go down in TTR history. Uh, I'm glad I could do that as well. Apparently, I think I made I think I made fun of Michael Gove in my first show because it's just my easy go-to joke, and I started teaching during Go uh, during Gove's uh, reign of terror. I suppose you could describe it as. And I think that was like the first quoted tweet that I had with me on it, and I was like, oh gosh, all my professional reputation is going down the hill. So, uh, so says here to be how how are you still awake where are you as well if you if you're abroad right now that must be are you in the U, if you're based in the uk what time is it <laughs> oh yeah it's 10 o'clock so anyway we're going to take a brief pause there to listen to the news hopefully it's not going to be too depressing although it's about education primarily in the uk so it probably will be a smidge depressing and i'm sorry about that but we're going to take a brief break to uh to uh to listen to the news. <laughs> Sorry, Sabrina just texted, texted in, no idea. Been up since 5 a.m., finished work at 9 p.m. Oh, I can't swear on the radio, can I? But what? That doesn't make sense. Like how, I? please come and teach abroad. Like, please, please. Uh, we're always looking for a fantastic teachers. Please, please, please come and teach abroad. Um, we pay better. You don't have to deal with Gavin Williamson or whoever it is in charge this week. Um, and also, yeah, <laughs> you don't have to deal with Ofsted. Right. I'll pause for the news. Hopefully it's slightly cheerful. Uh, you're listening to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Catherine Lady Berkeley's school in Walton under Edge, Gloucestershire, has made the decision to return to remote learning for some pupils. The decision has been made as a result of 58 pupils and 15 members of staff currently being at home due to COVID-19. Head teacher Tim Rand has written a letter to parents explaining the situation. He stated, Supply teachers are proving difficult to source and we need to make plans for current and possibly increased levels of staff absence. I have been in discussion with the local authority and we have agreed to put in place the following plan from Monday. In order to staff lessons and maintain safe levels of supervision, we are having to introduce some remote learning from Monday. By having year groups at home, we can use teachers of those classes to cover for absent staff. We are trying to minimise the impact on student learning, so are hoping to keep it to one day out per year group, other than years 11 and 13, who will continue with lessons as normal. Mr Rand added that measures will be reviewed early in the week. STV News has reported that school children in Midlothian still appear to be being given cash to buy their own packed lunches from the local authority instead of providing hot school meals. Councillor Kelly Parry has voiced her concerns and has written to Education Secretary Leslie Ann Somerville asking for advice. She states, 
I have been contacted by so many families who are concerned about the lack of hot school meals being provided to their children. It is so difficult and stressful for many parents, some of whom are working two jobs, to find the food items they need to make sure their children have a proper lunch. The supermarket shelves are not well stocked at the moment and costs are rising, making it hard to shop for items. I would go as far as to say it's a breach of children's human rights and a national scandal that Midlorian is not providing balanced and nutritious meals in the way other local authorities are doing. Midlothian Council's Executive Director Kevin Anderson said that plans were in place to reintroduce a hot meal option in October, but said it is restricted to a large extent by the school estate and social distancing. There are some restrictions that we still want to apply. This has been your daily education news briefing. So that was the news. Only slightly depressing. I thought it would be a lot worse, but I'm also kind of shocked at, um, I'm assuming that from the news that was a private school. I'm shocked that that's not normal. If there are a lot of cases, yes, do remote learning. Now, obviously, I know that in state schools, you're limited as well by infrastructure, by the facilities that some students may have a home and things like that. But we're talking about people's health here. That's crazy. Like, so for example, in in my example, in my school that I'm working out here, we, we did have a, a COVID case uh, of one of the students in year 13. Um, literally, I think it was in the first two or three weeks of us opening up and we were all like, no, it's going to, you know, get worse and worse and worse. Um, but so what we did was basically any teachers that were teaching that year group that day, this was on a, you know, they found out that the student had tested positive over the weekend. So on the Monday, those students, those teachers were expected to teach from home. We set up facilities for them to either set uh, independent work or cover work for the students. Um, but if, you know, they were okay and they were just isolating, the main thing that we would do was make sure that we'd have a webcam in the school, use the projectors and that they could teach their lesson and any you know, have a have a substitute teacher in there or someone just to make sure the behavior was okay within the class as the lesson was proceeding. Um, also, we, you know, the, the year group would, the year group of the student would isolate as well. And they would have to show after 48 hours, a negative PCR test to get back into the school, um, which is what we did for all teachers as well. Um, that's the only case that we've had we had one like that was in early september we also had one more where students were on the uh students were on the bus basically coming home because we have school buses uh, that are run by the school and someone had uh, tested positive so as a precaution those students are now isolating it was like around i think around 10 or 20 because it was a relatively small a small group um and then obviously they will have to Show a negative PCR test after a certain amount of time. We're quite we're very privileged in the fact that obviously all teachers and staff have been vaccinated, uh, which reduces our sort of what's the word Re that reduces our risk for us as well. <laughs> but also our students are very privileged, and we're not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. But they're also very fortunate that they are able to afford a relatively cheap flight to the states, um, and students are able students as young as 12 years old are able to fly to the states. Uh, and get Pfizer, get uh, get vaccinated. So most students are already double vaccinated with Pfizer. Um, I would I was surveying my older year group, and I would say around ninety percent have already been vaccinated. So if a student does get a case, that really minimizes the risk for us. The other big thing as well is that we all wear masks in lesson. It's just that's the thing. So I wear a KN95 mask while I teach all day. It's not perfect. Um, and the students are expected to wear a mask the whole time. We have CO2 monitors, which I know is a big thing in the UK that people are ordering. And if the CO2 monitor goes above a certain level, we go outside. We're also very lucky that we're mainly able to go outside. And even though it is slightly chilly here in Mexico City in the morning, it does get down to around 10 degrees, slightly chilly, or que frio, as it's normally said, or pinche frio, which is a rude word meaning cold, um, which I won't repeat. I can get away with that because it's in Spanish, yeah? Um, uh, it means um, it means that we're able to have the windows open uh, all the time, so we're able to really ventilate the rooms. We sanitize the rooms after every class, um, but 
the students wear masks the whole time unless they're outside we have an outside eating area unless they're outside eating and it's the same for teachers as well uh, and no one is precious about it it is not a political thing people just wear a mask and know it now obviously you know kids are kids and sometimes their mask will slip or they'll try and take it off to be more comfortable but we're able to sort of you know like just like a uniform policy you say hey put your mask on please and nine, 99 times out of 100 it is not a big issue and that is just something that i really think has reduced the amount of cases that we have had in school um the high vaccination rate among our population and the fact that we're all wearing masks and that people are making a big deal out of it and it's the same if you go into the staff room or a quiet working area you know like some people if you're by yourself you take your mask off have a coffee or whatever but as soon as someone comes in people put their masks back on and it's not a thing i don't understand why i just really i'm really struggling in the uk to see like why are you doing it this way i don't understand i was talking to my brother over the weekend and he was like yeah yeah i went to a theater to see some you know see a production or whatever over the weekend yeah it was 100 percent capacity no one was wearing a mask inside and i just went what like what and he was like yeah yeah and then he was like i was like but you know you had a covid test before to get in or you have to show proof of vaccination to get in right you know like to be allowed in no no just let everyone in so well no wonder the cases are going up in the uk i just <laughs> it's just it's not rocket scientists i know you know i know you know i know half of the tory government only have degrees in ppe um so you know they can't understand the science fully but you know it's not rocket science wear a mask you're going to be safe uh, <laughs> or you're going to be safer but my brother was even shocked by the by the attitude of uh, of Mexicans here. So for example, I play softball uh, in here in Mexico City. So like baseball outside, you know, you're not, not a close contact sport. And it's expected that when you're fielding or when you're batting, you're wearing a mask. It's just expected. Um, that's it basically. It's it's the same as like you when you go to bat, you wear a helmet. If you're not wearing a mask, you could be in trouble. If you're not wearing a helmet, you could be in trouble. It's just it's just something we do here <laughs> and i just don't know why it's so difficult for, for the for, for some people in the uk to understand that and i hope i'm not offending people with that but it's so frustrating watching from afar and just seeing the uk snatch vic snatch defeat from the jaws of victory it's just absolutely painful <laughs> to watch um so yeah so that so that was my rant about the news the other thing as well i was going to say about the about the other news item with uh, the Scottish uh, borough giving giving money instead of food. I know if I was a student, and I would have done this, because my mum used to give me, uh, well, basically at one point my mum would make me pack lunches, but my mum, <laughs> I have a Southeast Asian <laughs> heritage, and I was traumatised by the food. Well, I love the food that my mum would cook, but I never wanted to... <laughs> My, I never wanted to bring my food into school because, it, you know, it's quite fragrant for want of a better word. And, I, you know, being a teenager, I was very embarrassed about it and things like that, which was stupid thinking about it now. So I'd always sort of ask, hey, can I have dinner money instead? And I would do the classic thing of, you know, given a certain amount of money, I can't remember how much it was, three pounds or whatever. I would make sure I bought the cheapest items on the menu that the school offered. And this was before healthy school meals in the late 90s early 2000s so what would i do i would go get either a slice of pizza or a chicken pie or chicken mushroom pie and a bag of space raiders and some kind of squash that was half radioactive half sugar you know translucent so and i would pay i don't know a pound instead of those three quid or whatever and i would pocket the other two <laughs> um so i turned out okay yeah i turned out all right i mean like other than <laughs> Yeah, I suppose I told that. Okay, sorry, Catherine just mess messaged in saying this makes me feel even more frustrated about the situation in the UK. It's just really frustrating. I have, you know, friends and former colleagues in Germany as well, and some people are like, "Well, I'm not going to go back for Christmas now." It, it was really frustrating because it was kind of hip hypocritical. We felt that the the UK government put Mexico on the red list, which would mean that we would have to if you as a british national wanted to go to the uk like if some, you know i had to return to the uk for any emergency i'd have to stay in a quarantine zone um whether i was vaccinated or not and that quarantine that quarantine hotel would cost you know several thousand pounds uh and i'd have to isolate there for 10 days um it felt kind of hypocritical and it feels very hypocritical now bearing in mind that the cases in mexico are declining at the same rate that the cases in the uk are increasing it's um so it's absolutely kind of just infuriating and a lot of people are like i don't want to go to the uk right now which is 
which is at, you know which is heartbreaking as well because we've got family you know family over here you know we have family in the uk i've not seen my family in two years um and i've you know there's some people who have stayed even longer so it's kind of it's really frustrating and it's just so uh blinkered and kind of hypocritical from a government i know i know i'm sh i know you're shocked that you know me describing a conservative government as hypocritical i'm the first person to ever do it i'm sure um so yeah i know i'm as shocked as you are but yeah it's hypocritical <laughs> so yeah um so after that rant you're listening to the rant show now evidently on teachers talk radio with with me rich wrigley uh, making sure that i'm ranting about people not wearing a mask properly you were previously interrupted as well by uh, the cat show which has happened again this time we've replaced Bort with Hobbs, the cat that has traveled the world. Uh, he is here with me now as well. I don't know what this, yeah. And I don't know if you can hear him purring as well, but he has made it onto the show as well. He says hello to everyone. Uh, this is pretty much how it used to be when I was teaching online. Um, but yeah, you're listening to the Late Late Show. We've got a couple more minutes left. If you have any questions or want to talk about anything, we've talked so far about what it's like in Mexico, sort of not post COVID because we're not through it yet, but you know, post lockdown, you know, we've talked about the state of the UK. I hope I haven't depressed you too much. Um, I'm encouraging you all to come out here. If you're listening to Teachers Talk Radio, I'm imagining you are most likely an excellent educator who cares a lot about the, <laughs> about education. And we are always looking for more fantastic teachers. Um, Cases in England schools are so high. And my partner in the middle of recovery. Well, I hope you're well, Catherine. I hope you're feeling better. Um, both you've both had two vaccines. I'm a little worried myself because the vaccine I had was CanSino, which is one of the Chinese vaccines. They gave it to all uh, educators. Uh, it's definitely going to, you know, it reduces hospitalizations and all of this kind of stuff. But I'm a little concerned, so I'm going to try and look at getting a booster myself. Uh, but I hope you're you're on the mend and making a recovery because yeah i've had family members here and in the uk who've had it and you know normally it's not great from what i understand from from it, from my experience but but yeah i hope you're making a, a swift recovery <laughs> so yeah but we've got a few more minutes left and if there's anything y'all want to talk about i hope you'll message in and we'll try and chat about it for a little bit <laughs> so so what else have we talked so so far we've talked about well, I've been ranting. My cat is now again trying to eat my house plan, so I'm going to get rid of him. This has basically been my life teaching. It's sort of like basically me opening a door for my cat and then closing a door for my cat. Luckily, I've got wireless headphones, so I can sort of live update you on what's happening. Uh, my Foley work, like sort of sound effects, must be off the hook as well. So apologies about that. <laughs> so yeah, we've talked about... I hope this has been okay. I hope you found it as slightly entertaining. I always struggle when I'm trying to plan a show. I listen to the rest of like Teachers Talk Radio and people have got like a lot to say and a lot of interesting things to say. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm a guy who likes talking about physics and I've managed to turn that into a career. I also like working with young people uh, and I'm, it's the best part of my job. And I've managed to sort of luck out and find out what I wanted to do. Um, and I sit, I feel definitely a sense of imposter syndrome when I'm <laughs> on Teachers Talk Radio because I I see so many wonderful educators that are presenting such wonderful things. I'm with people who've written books on middle leadership and people who are doing, you know, crazy things have been on ITV News and things like that. And I'm here just like, uh, so here's my cat <laughs> and here's, here's, you know, I'm going to talk about physics for a little bit and things. Uh, what is your top selling point for, uh, sorry, Catherine's just messaged in and said, what is your top selling point for teachers who think about teaching now? I think it depends. And I'm going to be brutally honest. I like, for example, my niece has just graduated with a, with a, a degree in maths, a very good degree in maths. And I wouldn't encourage her to be a maths teacher in the UK right now. Um, and that's sad, I know, but I'm going to be honest as well, because I remember what it was like when I was training to be a teacher and I imagine and the support I got in my NQT year, and it really put me off. And it was something that I wouldn't want my niece to go through right now. I would say my top, my top selling point for teachers who think about teaching would be international teaching is wonderful. Um, you get to experience. So I would encourage people to go to international schools. Um, if I went back to the UK, I would I would like to teach in a in a in a state school, in a public school. But I honestly think, re I don't know if this is a case as well of, you know, seeing you know reading too much into what it's like in the news and things like that, but. It would really, I would really struggle. I think moving back into a, a state school in the UK, 
Um, I really like teaching where I am though. And I think the thing that I would say is that teaching internationally, the selling points are you're given a lot more freedom. You're encouraged to take a lot more risks. You're supported professionally. Um, if you want to develop something, you're normally you are able to get like on a training course or supported in that, in that respect very easily. Um, you're valued. Uh, the work you do is valued. Now, this is not all, you know, I'm not going to speak for all international schools. You know, every school varies from place to place. But in my experience, you found like, um, I find that that has been the case. The students are wonderful, although my students in the UK were wonderful as well. Um, there's still a challenge pastorally. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to go to an international school. Behaviour is going to be on point and there's going to be no issues pastorally or anything like that. That's not always the case. Um, it, you know, but I, I would say my behavior, you know, the behavior in international schools is a lot easier to manage, <laughs> but the issues are the same that students are facing. Um, you know, student, you know, parents are getting divorced or students suffer bereavement or, you know, other, other traumatic events in their life as well. Just, just because they're going to an international school doesn't stop them from that. So there is still a lot of challenges there. Um, but yeah, the, the selling point for me would be, you know, if you teach internationally, it's not the money. It's for me, it's being valued as a professional. That's the most important thing that I love about uh, the work and the freedom to take risks um, and to, to try things as well. You know, I'm not saying, you know, doss about and it's going to be super easy. Uh, it's still hard work. Um, I don't want to risk sounding like that, uh, that NQT or uh, Teach First or what was it? The PGC post that uh, Education UK posted over the week and said, oh, it's super hard, but I'm super motivated. I don't want to sound like that, but it, it can be still hard work, obviously. The work-life balance is much more manageable. Uh, Seema's just messaged and say, how long have I been teaching internationally? I taught in the UK uh, for, I did my PGCE. I taught in the UK for two years after that. No, three years, three years, two years. I can't remember. Uh, after that in the state school, and I knew I wanted to move abroad. I lived abroad a lot as a kid. And so this was also a great opportunity for me to travel a lot as a kid, uh, tra travel a lot, which is what I'm used to. Um, I've moved around the world and I've probably never spent more than you know, five years in one place. So for me, after five years living in one place, it's very weird. Um, so I started teaching internationally in 2011. So I've been teaching internationally for 10 years. Uh, I taught in Mexico for a couple of years, taught in Brazil after that for a couple of years, Germany, two years. Uh, no, I taught in Mexico before that for four years, sorry. Uh, then uh, the Brazil and Germany for two years, respectively, and now two years back in Mexico. Um, so yeah, 10 years on the whole. Um, I don't have much experience about stuff like teaching uh, in the kind of more popular places, if that makes sense. So, for example, like I said at the beginning of the show, places like Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, the Emirates, Middle East, you know, places like that. I, I don't have any experience with that, but that's a TTR party in Mexico. Please come over. The tacos are great and I'll buy everyone a beverage of their choice and I'll be. Oh, yeah. And tacos are like 10 pesos here, which is like 50p. <laughs> so uh, you're. Uh, I'm surprised you don't want to come back. Uh, I don't want to come back because I, I, um, because many reasons. Because I have a Mexican wife. Because uh, Brexit. Uh, because I feel safer in Mexico than I do in the UK. Uh, for many reasons. Um, I'm not racially abused here. I'm racially abused in the UK. That's why I'm not coming back. <laughs> so I feel, um, I feel more welcome in Mexico than I do in my home country. Uh, but it's fine. It's fine. And especially, you know, I've also ten years of the Tory government. I don't want to move back. But it's fine. You know, I know that there's, you know, you know, the the profession is inundated with young physics teachers uh, in the UK. So it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I don't. Well, I think the scariest thing for me was post Brexit, where I was flying to the UK. My wife was going to the UK with me, uh, literally the week after the Brexit result, and uh, and we were really worried. Like we speak Spanglish with each other. My wife's fluent in English, but a lot of the time we'll just speak Spanglish with each other, like a mix of Spanish and English. And I, I didn't want. I was like, maybe we should just speak English when we get here. Um, that was the first result. Um, you know, I remember in Sheffield. My family's all from Sheffield. When I was a student, I got randomly stopped and searched under the Terrorism Act by police officer in a, in in, a, in Sheffield train station. The excuse they gave me was that I was carrying bags. <laughs> it was a, it was a train station. Um, you know, I've had people in pubs come up to me and <laughs> ask me ridiculous things or harass me. Uh, my favourite one though was a drunk guy in a pub in Southampton, where where my hometown is, uh, came up to me and went, "Are you a kiwi?" And I was like, "What?" And I was thinking of the fruit, and he went, "You know." And then did a hacker 
And I was like, this is the most inappropriate use of a hacker ever. And it's probably the first case of a hacker being slightly racist, <laughs> but okay, well done. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm from, from Southampton. <laughs> and they were like, nah, but where are you really from? And I was like, yeah, Southampton. And they're like, nah, but you know what I mean? And I was like, no, I don't know what you mean. Can you elaborate a little bit for me? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, don't get that as much here in the UK. Although I do still get it here, you don't look English, um, which I have to explain. I have to explain that English people don't aren't, aren't always blonde hair and blue eyes. Uh, that's the only time I've had to kind of explain that to people here. Um, but yeah, I feel a lot more welcome and a lot more secure in Mexico. Uh, so yeah, it is what it is. And I'm afraid we're out of time because this show is just going to be an hour from now on because basically you don't want to hear me rambling for two hours. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much. It's been really, really fun coming back uh, to this. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, apart from the moments when Hobbs and Bort decided to gatecrash the show. Um, thank you so much for the warm welcome. Thanks for, for everyone uh, for asking all those questions. Uh, I need to decide on something to discuss next week. So if you have any suggestions, please put it in the chat for me or just message in. Um, I'm someone who can rap. I'm someone who can come and sort of like show up and talk <laughs> for an hour if I need to, but I always need a theme to start off with. Uh, so any themes would be absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, <laughs> thank you very much again. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure. You've been listening to The Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Uh, tune in tomorrow for more great shows and tune in uh, this time next week for me uh, for the subsequent Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley. You've been listening to me on Teachers Talk Radio and I'll see you all next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.